Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to this segment of That Damn Indian Show. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me today, we welcome Dr. Zach Simpson. How are you, Dr. Simpson? I'm good. How are you doing today, Kelly? Excellent. Welcome to our House of Learned Doctors here at Talk Jive. Uh, Dr. Simpson is a, a professor at the University of Science and of Arts and I can't even say it anymore. I'm so mad because they changed the name of USAO. It's Science and Arts. Is that right? It's the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma. It's still officially that according to the state of Oklahoma. I broke a sweat trying to say it because I'm still I'm still peeved on how things were sprung on the alumni in the newsletter. And we're going to leave it at that. Um, because one of the things I want to talk about, especially since um, you your your religion is your bag right and and you know a lot about it and you know a lot about re different religions around there i i've heard you lecture sir i i know this um but one of the things i wanted to talk about is how religion how indoctrination and religious indoctrination i should say how that plays a part in our modern politics because on on one hand your your party and your religion are are completely intertwined yeah that 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 wasn't always the case um that's more of a recent phenomenon in the u.s um one could have been a uh southern democrat in the 1960s and been cat well probably not catholic but been various stripes of christianity um, yeah, one could have been a Northern Catholic and also been a Democrat or Whig or some, or Republican back in the day, but since probably the mid eighties, political affiliation and religious affiliation have become more and more closely aligned with one another. Reagan. <laughs> is, well, is there no end to, to what Reagan has done to us? Well, <laughs> not just, just not just Reagan. That was the, um, you know, it was people like Ralph Reed and the Conservative Coalition. Um, it was the rise of, uh, in the late 70s, of uh, American evangelicalism as not just a religious movement, but also a political movement. Um, the aging out of the boomer generation, or not the boomer generation, but the greatest generation and the boomer generation, and the kind of political consciousness of the boomers um, started to mix in with all that. And then probably on the left, it's the rise of, you know, non-religious individuals or kind of more liberal social progressives. Um, but that's mainly been driven on the right by political affiliation of, you know, um, Re Republican became synonymous with evangelical Christianity for after a while. And I think that's, I think that's actually a very concerted effort on the part of, of um, the conservative coalition and evangelicalism and Southern Baptist Convention and other organizations like that. Is it, but it, it kind of sounds like a marketing scheme, right? It's kind of sounds like, well, you've got to be X, Y, and Z. You have to check all of these boxes. You have to be a Christian. And, and now all of a sudden it's like Christianity is the only religion. Like Michael Flynn the other day said, this is a, this is a, this is a country with one God and one religion. And, and I, I, as a political wonk, I parked up and I went, excuse uh. me? 
I, I, I don't, but, but that, but that's kind of where we're at. So when I ask about religious indoctrination, is it, is it more fair to say political indoctrination with a religious bent? I mean, those are, uh, you know, what comes first, chicken or the egg? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know what comes first. I think that a lot of those forces in starting in the 80s and really developing into a political force in the 90s with George H.W. Bush, uh, with the, um, you know, in 1994 with uh, people like Newt Gingrich, um, a lot of those political forces, the, the thing that they're supposedly fighting against is secularism. And they're fighting against uh, forces that would remove God from the public square, remove God from public schools. Um, and what had happened is a kind of precursor to that is a bunch of uh, legal decisions, Supreme Court decisions where, um, you know, uh, for a while it was fine to teach creationism in a science classroom. Well, there were three Supreme Court decisions in the 80s that kind of ended that. Um, and so that became an issue. And of course, abortion is always the third rail of American politics. That became a big issue. And so you had this rise of this kind of evangelical uh, Christian coalition movement, and it saw the forces of darkness that it was pushing back against, which was a more secular, more liberal society. Um, that they didn't want. And they wanted to, to, to coin a Trump's phrase, they wanted to make America great again, right? They wanted to take back what had been lost. And um, yeah, what it became was too, for the people that were doing it, the Republican party was like a bunch of little miniature parties. It had, you know, you had your libertarian element, you had your country club conservatives that like to sit martinis and make money and they cared only about tax rates. And then you had religious folk that only cared about religious issues. And the Christian coalition came along and was able to mobilize all those elements together and really build kind of what's now the modern Republican coalition, which is um, way more uh, unified than say modern democratic coalitions, right? So, um, you know, Democrats are constantly hurting cats, whereas Republicans can hang together on these issues. And one of the things is, is because they're unified by a common cause, they're unified by a common enemy, unified by a common ideology. And a lot of that ideology is guided by somewhat by the principles of American evangelicalism. But also, it goes the other way too. American evangelicalism is being guided by republicanism. And I think you can see that with Trumpism in particular. A lot of evangelicals are super worried about what Trumpism is doing to evangelical theology. And, and um, there's some discontent even amongst the ranks on that stuff. So yeah, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon. It's become a marker of, of identity. It's, you know, to say I'm a Republican is also to say in some ways I'm a Christian, right? And to some people, racist, right? I mean, to because these policies that that come down. Let's let's take the Rittenhouse 
trial yeah. right now. I mean, that, you know, there are a lot of people who are all about gods and God and guns and the gospel and, you know, who, who are very much these 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 issues like this are completely reframing that to where well i'm a christian also means uh-oh what am i in for and as as a brown woman that it, it's it's becoming this thing where you hear that in a grocery store or in a parking lot or something and it's it you automatically it, it feels threatening and it feels heavy because you're like oh god are there five of them behind me is it just two of them like it was seriously though you know and and so where does that that intersectionality too because i'm telling you when i was a kid my church organized and we went to see billy graham okay we saw billy graham yeah. at the myriad yes yes i did yes. i was a child and i saw billy graham that's, that's a how thing. devout and into this that we were we took a family trip to oral roberts university to see the praying hands okay sick with it okay it's why it's it's why i am the way i am i'm telling you <laughs> but but that that back then even back then in my little my little lizard brain back then was just like huh this is a lot of money for preachers right especially yeah. when you're in church and you're learning about jesus and him being you know having pot you know being a, a poor guy and going around and doing good deeds and and telling these stories that you know help you live your life and all this kind of stuff and then you get to now where it's like joel osteen yeah. And Billy Graham was that first generation of that prosperity doctrine. Jerry Falwell was that first generation with Liberty University. I mean, talk about a tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> a religious well, and, university. And, and Oral, I mean, Oral Roberts was, was, you know, Oral Roberts, Jimmy Swaggart, that whole generation. Um, yeah, they were a big part of that. And and so that that kind of intersectionality right there of, well let's just kind of grocery shop grocery cart it and say okay well this is what i like about it i like the tax write-off i don't like the adultery part of it so we're gonna <laughs> leave that out of there um i like telling women what to do and women being subservient so we're keeping that um but but you know as far as different different religions it's just this one guy you know and and like completely ignoring that kind of higher power that all religions have yeah i mean uh, i i'd have a, a few things to say there i mean one is is that um there are if if you sit down with a lot of like hardcore conservative baptists right now or conservative evangelicals they have real issues with people like joel osteen um that prosperity gospel is to them an abomination um you shouldn't be seeking money and profit but what has held that coalition of republican conservative evangelicals together has always been the fear of something else it's not that they like each other um it's not that you know the the people that are going to go to southern baptist theological seminary are good friends with the joel osteen people they're not they don't like them um, they think it's heresy. It's that they have a common other out there, their common enemy, which is abortion or um, godlessness. Like that's the bigger fear, right? Um, and I think that goes into a, a, there's a, it's a term that academics throw around, 
but the there's this notion that modern evangelicals have this idea of embattlement that they're constantly in at war with the forces of of liberalism or secularism and a lot of their identity is not built on what they hold in common it's on, on what they are against and um that embattlement thesis can be quite powerful um the idea that you know what I, kelly you and i may not agree on much but you know who's really bad is that guy over there right like that's that's that uh, anyone that's played sports feels that uh, that thing where it's like you know what i'm not sure about you as a teammate but i'm i sure as hell know who i don't like and it's the people across the field from me over there that um as a rallying cry that's been a big deal and you mentioned people like michael flynn um or kyle rittenhouse for that matter the people kind of like rittenhouse um they may not have a lot in common in terms of, you know, what they think about taxation rates or what they think about public schools or any of that stuff. You know what they do have in common though? They know who, they know who the enemy is. And it's, it's the forces of chaos and disorder. Um, a lot of that is stand-ins for uh, people of uh, other races that are gonna come in and, quote unquote come in even if even though you may have been here for 50,000 years um they're going to make they're going to change society i mean that's what make america great again was in some part a symbol of which was society keeps changing and it's not changing for the better because we don't know where it's going and look at all the chaos out there let's just go back to what we were well what we were was well we know what that was right so um, it's still relying on that same language of, you know, let's not be those, let's not be that we know. Uh, and, and that's why I think to a certain degree, Trumpism and modern Republicanism, they don't care about taxes. They don't care about infrastructure. They don't, they don't have policies related to those things because they have taken that what used to be a unifying element so that they could get business done otherwise. And they made it the central organizing core of of their politics which is we just know what we're not we're not we're not liberals what's scary <laughs> though is that liberals may start going in that direction too and liberals may start saying you know what we know what we're not too we're not conservative um we're not trumpist we're not those red stater uh americans that you know are backwards and and want god and everything right like once you uh, you you can kind of have a democratic politics when one party's doing doing the thing but you really can't have a democratic party when both well when both parties are doing that yeah and and that's that's a that's a great way to sum it up because what you hear is i mean look at look at um georgia and the guy, I mean, the dude, that one dude was a child molester. Like he was inappropriate with young women, like races, like openly all this kind of stuff. But you know what? He's better than a liberal. Damn it. Yeah. He's, he, you know, and, and that's, and that's another thing too, like Christian. And again, growing up in a, in a very devout Southern Baptist home where we went to church every time the doors were open, we knew the Bible, like survival kits, all of those activities. Yes. Dunham. 
completed them. Hey, uh, we need so, to have a we need to have a recovery group. I did that stuff too. <laughs> Let's Vacation do it. Bible oh. school out in the middle of the. I grew up in New Mexico, just cooking in the sunshine for seven hours a day. It was great. I I have I have cousins that would attend that recovery group because there were like I, and I have friends too like I I still have a, one of my best friends to this day the way she and I met was her dad was a preacher at Faith Indian in Carnegie and we my family went to Indian Capital in Anadarko and they had a vacation Bible school during the day and a vacation Bible school in the evening and we went so we spent all day with each other for like a week and so became best friends out of it and I still love her but but it but it it is like okay so coming from that and growing up in that and love each other and be friends and this is what you have in common and y'all like you're saying y'all love Jesus like I still have friends Falls Creek like don't even get me oh, yeah. started I, I I still have friends from there who who I still and we we love each other but there is a there is a level of compassion that we have for each other for for everybody else for the earth for that 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 just seems to be lacking in a lot of modern day Christianity which is which is one of the reasons I don't go to church I I don't I completely turned away from the church now does that mean i turned away from my beliefs or my faith or anything no but what it does mean is i don't feel the need to go and be under an umbrella of what i feel is hypocrisy because i don't feel like you can sit there and say love one another if you're going out and saying you don't belong and i have a gun and i'm going to show you that you don't belong here in my church or in my community no when it's supposed to be about love one another and be one family under you know under jesus's love and sacrifice well and that that's really what's um for for probably a lot of people like you and me growing up in the church with with the same kind of ideas um about what christianity is about um it's been, and even through the early, uh, through the 90s and the 2000s, I can remember in the 90s when evangelicals were shocked and horrified at the behavior of someone like Bill Clinton, as they should have been, um, and horrified at the way, at the, at the way that um, uh, people like Keith Olbermann talked about women. Um, you know, what, uh, one of the things that people said about Sarah Palin, for example, was that, um, you know, she's just a, just, uh, they used a lot of terms about her being dumb, but she was ditzy, she was stupid. Um, and she, and, and she may not have known policy, but a lot of that stuff, it was, it, it, it had a string of gender attached to it too, like her, and a lot of the same people that were calling her out, uh, calling out liberals for rightly, for being unfair to women and not speaking on behalf of women, not trusting women, the whiplash that has been experienced in the last decade, where now those same people are justifying similar behavior on the part of, say, someone like Trump, has been startling, right? Like to see people that went from condemning kind of sexism back in the day to now being like utterly permissive about it, if it comes from their side. Um, that's been that's been a, a real thing to see. Um, I mean, there was all religious people are always hip, hypocritical because um, they're people. But um, 
to see where that hypo hypocrisy is going now is probably what's more despairing. I would say one, uh, one thing too. Um, I make sure when I talk about kind of conservative Christianity, they, I, I always say evangelical Christianity because I wanna make clear there's other Christianities out there. Like uh, a lot of the stuff that we're saying now does not apply to uh, Episcopalians or um, uh, a large swath of Methodists or you know a lot of those um, denominations that just there, or even ca Catholics, for example, have been adamantly opposed to say a lot of the policies of someone like Trump. Um, so I, I don't want to be Indian Baptists. <laughs> What's that? Southern Indian Baptists. <laughs> yeah. You're not digging it. Yeah. Not, not, not down with it. Yeah. So I, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm a little more clear about who we're talking about because um, Christianity is a big thing. There's a billion and a half or almost 2 billion Christians in the world today. And most of them aren't even in the U S so. Well, and it's, it, okay. So, and, and, and I'm glad that you clarified that because what we're really talking about is a, is, is a very small, albeit loud, very, very, very loud populate little contingent of what, of what we say is Christianity and, and those ones that want to own the libs. Like, I, I, I don't understand that. Like, what does that mean? Like, and, and, and being liberal, I hate to tell y'all, Jesus was a liberal. <laughs> I'm letting y'all know right now, Jesus was a liberal. But he, um, but he was also a fire and brimstone apocalypticist who believed that the end of the world was coming. Like, like get up, uh, you know, uh, put your stuff in your car trunk, Kelly, it's happening now. Um, and he was also a radical, I would say he's so liberally conservative. Um, Jesus was a hyper-conservative Jew too. Um, when he talked about some of those liberal principles of feeding the poor, uh, taking care of the immigrant, the stranger and so forth, he cited scripture to do all that. He fell back on his tradition. So he was a real traditionalist in many ways too. And so we we go from from that and and again, hey, I I am if there is one thing that I have maintained my entire life that I am totally terrified of is the devil. Like <laughs> Satan, I don't watch I don't watch the scary movies. I don't watch movies with the devil in them. Not any no. kind of devil. Little Nikki didn't like it. Why <laughs> devil? Um, and and so, but 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 th those kinds of things, like you say, those 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 things that bind us as and uh, it's been so long since i've said this about myself but as christians yeah uh wow uh <laughs> there there is a i know right like that just threw me for a loop it, it just feels like that disconnect between being able to love your neighbor and owning the libs like they're it, it we're and 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 not just for not just for the gen xers I'm talking about for this for these new this newer generation who is getting all of this stuff conflated, yeah. and you know it, it's not just enough to be just okay. Well, I'm a Christian, and but I'm a Democrat, and I'm also um, I'm I'm also uh, you know pro uh, pro capital punishment. Yeah. Like I never, I never lost that from, from my, from my fire and brimstone days, you know? And so th there, there's, there's a lot, but when you, when you, especially if you hear any of my segments, it's like, man, that is a hardcore tree hugging hippie liberal right there. 
but it's true but nobody's taking my guns either right <laughs> no no and i mean you can um part of that's uh, you you know politics better than me part of that's an artifact of the two-party system that um you know it you kind of i think there's a lot of people that kind of go across this like i'm a tree-hugging liberal too but i also believe in gun rights and i'm also um very wishy-washy on you know upper level tax rates and so on and so forth like um there's there's a lot of those things but you know by virtue of the two-party system i tend to be pushed into one party over another um i want to say though that uh a lot of modern evangelicals particularly particularly i have a hard time with that word um southern baptists are really struggling over these what you've pointed out is kind of the hypocrisy of owning the libs and being uh, that republican identity being mixed in with their politics and i if you've not many people do but if you follow southern baptist politics um they've had a lot of people leaving the camp of late and um moving away from being southern baptist or trying to say that southern baptist what is that's not what it's about and there are schisms occurring in there because a lot of the leadership of the southern baptist says you know what the alignment with trump is not our game that's not what we should be engaged with and then another segment is like no that's where uh, the kind of the jerry falwells of the world or his son um we want to align with Trump. That's our principles. That's who we are. That's how we fight off secularism. And um, I think you're going to see that even more and more as this generation of Gen Z and millennials who are evangelical and Southern Baptist get older. They, they're not engaged in those politics. They don't care about that stuff as much. So I, I do think that it is diverse, within their own community i i don't think we see those cracks as much but if you look they're there um i'd add one other thing too i think probably you you talking about that kind of that core 30 percent um 30 to 40 percent of the country that's kind of their political and religious identity are the same thing um i think what you see there too with some of those and you and i were talking about this beforehand was that to some degree, their political identity is becoming their religious identity, or I'll, I'll put a different point on it, their politics is becoming their religion, um, such that they are neglecting certain biblical or theological ideas, all in favor of a political ideology. And I think that's a really, that's a much more recent development, but I think it's one that, that we should keep an eye on. You're absolutely right. And where where that's it's just striking. And that's the whole name of the segment right there, because because that is true. And that's where we have moved to. We went from our I, I'm not going to say our founding fathers, but y'all's founding fathers, <laughs> uh, you know, coming, coming your, here. Your listeners think, okay, may not see, but but they they know I'm I'm white from the way I thought. <laughs> But, you know, but, but, you know, getting, getting all of our, all of your organizing documents together and saying, okay, separation of church and state, we do not want, we don't want religion to play a part in these, in these walls of our government. 
And now we're seeing like defense attorneys saying, oh, well, we don't want black preachers here in our gallery, in this public gallery that's paid for by the taxpayers. We don't want them in here. And it's like, well, you, where, where, where does that, you know, it's like, well, they're influencing, they're, they're using their influence. And it's mm -hmm. like, it seems it's a conflation of the issues. That's what's really saying is, you know, it, it's really saying people of color, you still just need to get back, even though, you know, our numbers are increasing, everything else, we're, we're being more vocal, we're allowed, I say allowed to be more yeah. vocal, sort of, sort of, Kinda. not too loud though, not too loud, not too <laughs> no, loud. Don't. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't hurt my feelings either. <laughs> well, I would hope not. <laughs> uh, would it help if I said you were one of the good ones? <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying, uh, I'm saying it as, as a general, <laughs> um, is that, that, that's kind of like token. I know a good white guy. Um, <laughs> it is, but it's, 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 it, I mean, yeah, I mean, so I, I think, I think what's, um, what, and, and we can make a joke about the founders here, but um, I think one of the great ideas that they had was this, was the establishment clause in the constitution, because they're worried about precisely stuff like that, where if you let religion into, look, they, they fully believe religion should be in the public square. They just didn't think that the government should be establishing a religion. And the reason that they they felt that way is, well, obviously, a lot of them were from England and or were English descendants, and they knew what happened when you established a state church. But um, the other concern they have is, is that if you start to establish a religion, you get guys like that defense attorney um, who uh, want to rely on the fact that, oh, we don't want that religion and religion's fine in the public square, just not my religion, right? Um, and they wanted to prevent any, any of that kind of um, mixing or any of that kind of conversation occurring. Um, America's always been, you know, pretty, we have a fraught history with church and state. Sometimes those walls have been policed very well, and other times they haven't. And um, I would say that the struggle has always been from conservatives to, to push that wall back a little further whether it be uh, the fights over teaching evolution and creationism in the schools, um, allowing, uh, getting rid of, of certain books that are non-biblical in, in schools. A lot of these scuffles are over our children, right? Um, I think that, that the fight has always been to push that back and liberals have always been trying to push it, you know, the other direction. And that's one of the central struggles of American political identity. Um, I think what's happening now is, is that those forces never went away. The people that want religion, an official public religion, which is Christianity of a certain stripe, conservative Christianity, they've they've been fighting these fights for years. They uh, if they've been fighting over abortion, they've been fighting over uh, public education, they've been fighting over these uh, issues for for decades, and now you just see it kind of bubble up in the statements like people like Michael Flynn and so forth. So. Um, I'm not surprised when I see that stuff. Um, the case law is good on it. If you're a liberal, you should take heart. Like the Supreme Court has been almost unanimously uh, united on that one. I think the only thing that should worry people of, say, Kelly Lewis's political stripe 
would be um, what's snuck in of late into Supreme Court decisions is that private religious belief can be a coverall for anything. And it, it, it doesn't have to be, so like the Hobby Lobby decision, the, what that hung on, which was, if your listeners don't know, essentially Hobby Lobby didn't want to have people get uh, birth control as part of their healthcare plan. They said it was against their beliefs. Um, they argued that it was abortive and abortion is against their closely held religious beliefs. Well, they had doctors testify birth control doesn't induce abort, ab abortion. It's not abortive. It's not abortifacient, all that stuff. But what Scalia and the people that followed him said in the Supreme Court was, it doesn't matter if they're right or not. It doesn't matter if their belief is true or not. It just matters that it's a, a, per a strongly held religious belief. And you see that in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial too. It doesn't matter whether he was actually in danger or not. It's self-defense laws have been written such that if you believe you're in danger, then you can do whatever you want. So we've seen this movement towards kind of making religious belief or belief, I just believe something, a kind of coverall for anything irrational that I might feel. Um, and it doesn't have to have evidence, but that's the one thing that really concerns me now is that belief becomes this kind of like, well, Kelly, I believe you're a bad person. I have no evidence for it, but you know what? That's a belief I have and you can't talk me out of it, right? I think that that's... happens more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I believe that I have enjoyed this conversation and I do hope that you come back to continue this because it is always ongoing. Dr. Zach Simpson, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. Don't forget, folks, if you missed this conversation or any of our past episodes, you can catch those wherever you get your podcasts. This is a segment of That Damn Indian Show. We're indigenous, we're independent, and we are nonprofit media. You're listening to Talk Jive Media.